Does perfectionism hold you back from becoming the best possible version of yourself? Well, we're going to dig deep into perfectionism, creating the life and the career, and maybe even the business you want, right here on episode 213 of The Nurse Keith Show. Well, hello and welcome to The Nurse Keith Show. I am so grateful you're listening, whether it's your first time tuning in or you've been hanging out with me here on the airwaves for months or maybe even years. Thank you for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. This podcast is all about you and your nursing career, and I'm here to share education, inspiration, and ideas that can get you moving in a positive and inspired direction. Meanwhile, if you want to see the show notes for this episode, hop on over to nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 213. Anywho, our guest today is the wonderful Fabienne Raphael from Montreal, Canada. She is a business building coach, a speaker and podcaster. We are going to get deep into her bio and her story throughout this conversation. So Fabienne, welcome to the Nurse Keith Show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, it's so exciting always to have a fellow entrepreneur on the show and also a fellow podcaster because you've got the mic and everything ready and you're just like <laughs> super pro. So <laughs> you're a coach. I'm a coach. Lots of nurses out there are coaches or want to be coaches or in the process of becoming so. And mm -hmm. the question I have for you just to kick it all off is why has coaching captured the popular imagination in the last decade or so? What's going on in this hmm. world of ours? <laughs> I think that what's going on is that people are closer to what they truly feel and what they want to uh, accomplish or what their purpose is. Hmm. I think that people are less prone to actually sacrifice um, their happy time at work and they really want to do something that they're passionate about. Hmm. If I take my parents, for example, I'm lucky because I have two parents that had the same job for like over 30 years, almost at the same place. And they really were passionate about they were doing what yeah. they were doing. Uh, they're retired today. But some people actually just decide to put their happiness aside while they're at work, complain about it all day. And then after that, well, go, I don't know, do sports or do right. something else after work because this is how they think it would be. But it seems that nowadays people are waking up and experimenting hmm. stuff and seeing all these possibilities that Internet has or how people consume more information online and that what they have as an expertise or a trauma they overcame or something that they want to share to others can be actually getting money into their household and allow them to pay the bills and also allow them to be happier. Good point. So that's what I think is happening. Good point. So you're basically saying there's been a, a sea change, like the zeitgeist has changed culturally. And I know some countries have hopped on the coaching bandwagon faster than others. The U.S. coaching is pretty popular. We've got career coaches, spiritual coaches, marriage coaches, business coaches. You kind of name it, you've got coaches out there. So mm -hmm. it's really 
the richness is pretty profound. And there's people of varying levels of skill who are coaches, and that's a whole nother conversation. Mm-hmm. But I know in Canada, you and I talked about this in Europe. I've talked with my European friends. Coaching has been slower to gain ground with the populace at large. And why is that? Why is it different in other countries than the US right now? I would maybe talk about my side of Canada because I'm on the French side. Uh, I'm in Quebec. And I feel that it's as if like that population was not quite ready when the States was ready to allow people to embrace that profession. Mm. I feel that it took a while for people to understand that they have the right to also be happy and go for their own business. Uh, Entrepreneurship Uh. seemed to be so much more forwarded in USA than it was here at a point. And I can tell you that podcasting is now becoming something here uh, compared to, you know, how it was like really now in the States, it's exploding. Like everyone wants to start a podcast. Everybody and their brother. Yep. But I remember when I was starting my podcast five years ago and I would talk about it here, like so many people, like 90% of people didn't know what it was. They're like, what um, is that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is it like a pea pod? What is it? <laughs> and I also think it has to do with, um, with the mentality of investing in yourself to get better or to realize something that's bigger than you or to just become the better version of yourself. Mm. Um, I think that unfortunately here, when I started, let's say, being more in business towards in the online business in USA, let's say like five years ago, while people were not ready yet to put like invest some money into that. So they were mostly looking for free info and trying to build something out of that. But I'm sure that you agree with me on saying that you can't really accomplish something big if you're not ready to invest in yourself and then ask people to pay you for what you're doing and then you not being open to do the same thing. Good so uh, so yeah. I think that was a clash there. Yeah. yeah. And you know, we could ask the deeper questions like, why is that happening? Why is the difference there? And, and uh, <laughs> one of the first things I want to ask you is like, is there a word in, in um, Canadian French for coaching? Oh, it's the same thing. It's coaching. Coaching. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can say so coaching. So it's pretty in ubiquitous. French. Okay. <laughs> so that's very interesting. And, you know, not all coaches are business coaches and not all clients come for business coaching. Like life coaching is kind of where it all kind of kicked off in a way. And a lot of coaches do some form of life coaching. Like even with my career coaching, I do life coaching as well. And mm-hmm. so it's interesting. And I'm, I'll be curious, you and I should follow up every five years or so, or sooner, but like find out what's going on in Canada and Europe. Like why, what's, how is it catching on and what forms are most popular? It's funny. It's it's as if like, because you know, you talk about life coaching and of course you can't coach someone without, without seeing a human being in front of you and address those false beliefs or blocks that they might have and then help them in that sense and uh, provide other resources if they need more help for that. But it's as if like, I would say that uh, people like, let's say here compared to, to, to where you are, 
it's as if people were a bit closed to, um, you know, really opening up like what's going on in their minds mm -hmm. and uh, developing spiritually and then uh, addressing that, you know, it was it was still seen like kind of like a woo thing, you yeah. know, just yeah. life coaching is woo woo. So it's so it's not mainstream now and it's, too. <laughs> yeah, it's out of reality. Like, what are you saying? You right. know, so yeah, so that's what I wanted to add. So, you know, you're a business coach specifically, and your podcast that just reached 300 episodes, and you've now sunsetted that podcast, though all the episodes are available online. It's called uh, Marketing to Crush Your Competitors. So yes. it was all about marketing for businesses and entrepreneurs. And you've been featured in Forbes, ABC, NBC, Thrive Global, Huffington Post. You've been on over 25 podcasts, including John Lee Dumas's Entrepreneur on Fire. Congratulations on that. Thank so, you. you know, you've been around You've been around the block and you've gained a lot of traction as a very savvy, popular, highly intelligent business coach, and you have your finger on the pulse of something. So in all of your work with 300 podcast episodes, appearing on all those shows, being on the news and on TV, and you even had your own TV show at some point in the past, what have you learned about yourself in the process of being such a public figure who is really a thought leader like what what have you gleaned about yourself that you feel like has really changed your life or changed that's something huge, about you that's a huge question okay we have a few hours no worries okay so uh so yeah i would start with the fact that um First of all, I started, I went to the entrepreneurial journey, not because of myself, but because of someone I met. And that was great inspiration and guidance into that. And that's my life and business partner today, uh, Reggie. So when I met him, he was already doing consulting in his work. And then he was talking about, why don't you start your own business and all that stuff? And I was kind of close-minded to it because my whole family was never an entrepreneur. Uh, no one in my family was ever. And then I was like, well, have a good job. And then why would I want to change? But again, like when I was thinking about what my dreams were or where I wanted to go really seriously in my career, this was not like really clear. So let's say that along the way, I learned a lot with uh, conferences and meetings and all that stuff. And my path was not like a straight line because uh, I had a healthcare agency. I had a home staging business, a TV show, as you said, um, before like falling for online marketing and then helping people with my coaching. So I would say that what's the most important thing that I realized along the way is that um when I first started, I never thought it would be possible for me. It's as if like the whole false belief of success is not for you or it's mm. better if you're hiding in a corner and nobody knows about you or if you start something, then it's fine if it doesn't work out anyways. You could still get a job and, you know, not being noticed for anything. Right. Um. So, so I would say that uh, what I discovered is that I had that power within me, but I was not aware of it. 
And how I discovered that was actually to get the right help. So I had a life coach and I had you someone did? helping me. <laughs> of course uh, you did. <laughs> helping me unlock all those false beliefs and all those things I was, I was saying to my head. And then that would not allow me to go forward in my business or to attract the right people or to attract success and abundance mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So I would say that the biggest thing that I learned about myself is that persistence like got me into being a better version of myself, which mm. I'm proud of today. I'm not saying I'm the best version of myself because I really um, hope that every day I still progress in my yeah. life. As well, you're the best being. one. You're the best one to date. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, so so I think that's my biggest realization. That's number one. And then the second one is that uh, when you don't give up, like when you persist, uh, when you have the right guidance, like mm-hmm. eventually with the, of course, with surrounding yourself with the right people and having the right strategies and all that stuff, well, you will get there also. But if you believe in yourself and you believe that this is what you're going to accomplish. Mm-hmm. So so it's as if like at a certain point, I realized I'm the only person responsible for my destiny and I take the full decision to be able to help people, impact them, influence them and help them accomplish what they want to accomplish while doing also this because it's my purpose and my passion. Um, so, wow. okay. So it was, for me, it was, it was huge. And that's why, and that's why today I'm, I feel confident and I, I hope that's what, uh, that's what you feel too when I speak that I'm confident and all that stuff, but I work a ton to get there. Like right. it's not as if this was something that happened like this. It took you weren't years. born this way. You weren't born self-empowered with a complete sense of personal agency. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was. No, no. I was but, a one-year-old but- with complete, completely formed personal agency. I was like, "Give me that bottle." <laughs> really? You? <laughs> no, were? I'm kidding. Okay. Well, I cried the, the whole is- first week of kindergarten. So. Oh. Well, you were, I guess you were close to your parents and your family and you didn't want to leave them. True. That's, that's understandable. Yeah. I want to just curl up and take a nap. That's what I want. So, <laughs> but funny, funny thing though, <laughs> um, I have a, a 18 months old and, uh, and it's funny because, uh, when I watch him like walk around and he's like all straight up and walking like this and being confident, you know, and I'm like, well, when we're brought up, we are confident. Kids mm-hmm. are confident. They take risks. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, he climbs all around and he doesn't care if there's danger or not. Like he will try it until he realizes, oh, okay, maybe I should be careful next time because he hurt himself, let's say once, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like usually kids are. So we were all like this. Mm-hmm. And I guess eventually, well what people tell you and society and how people see you and you become more self-aware of, okay, so I'm being judged here. Mm -hmm. And then these things happen that you are just closing yourself and want to disappear and not really embracing who you truly are. um, And it's that self-consciousness that that ties us down at a certain point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, speaking of risk, I mean, you may or may not know, well, you, you were a physical therapist, so you probably know, right? And you were an athlete as well. The part of the brain that perceives risk to the self doesn't fully develop to your 25. 
So your your baby has a long way to go. So, you know, we mitigate risk in our lives for various reasons. Like I'm I've never like jumped out of a plane or climbed a cliff without any ropes. You know, I you know, there's certain yeah. risks we're willing to take and some of us take financial risks, some of us take emotional or relational risks, mm-hmm. and some of us take risks with our bodies, and some of us take risks in other ways. And mm-hmm. you know, for a nurse sitting in her car right now, driving to work, listening to this episode, and she's like, yeah, I like my career. I don't really want to start a business, but I feel like I've acquiesced part of my sense of personal agency to my career. And I just kind of let my career take me where it's going. You know, I don't make active decisions and I want to change that. I want to mm-hmm. change the calculus of how I live my life because it's basically just been happening to me. So for someone listening who maybe doesn't want to start a business but feels like they want to grab hold of their life and make it theirs and not someone else's, mm-hmm. what would be one of the first things that person could consider doing to gain or start to connect with that sense of personal agency? Hmm. I love your question. Thanks. Um, <laughs> so what I, what I usually suggest to people is to go back to all the wins that they had, especially when they were kids, oh. because that's very empowering. So if when you were a kid, like the teacher would always take you as a leader for the class, or you were always team captain when you were playing sports, or you won an award for the best uh, grade in math, or you won this challenge on whatever you ran, and yeah. or even it could be like even smaller, like you're in a park and then you're only, I don't know, eight years old, and then uh, there there are 11 years old, and you decide that you're going to... Uh, let's say, do a, a challenge or a game of tennis. And then the one who wins, well, they have the whole part for themselves. And then you beat an, an 11-year-old. So you're very proud of yourself. So just like realizing um, your whole journey of wins. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, there are patterns. Like there are certain areas of your life that are more developed or that you shine more in arts or music or just leadership. Mm-hmm. And then just finding that that, well, it should give you a guidance of, okay, so what can I invest to doing and to like to make me explore that even more? Um, it could be a class. It could be meeting with people that have the same interests as you in a meetup, for example. It could be just taking one person and helping them overcome something that you overcame because you feel that this is something that you did very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say just to just to find something that's unique about you and then find other people to connect with that have that same um, passion or mm. just wanting to help someone with that same and unique gift that you have. I see. Wow. Interesting. So a lot of this, what you're saying, it's about, well, self-awareness has to start first. You mm-hmm. have to look mm-hmm. at yourself kind of you know, critically. And I don't mean like negatively but i mean take a critical look at your life and see where where have you not succeeded or where have you kind of fallen down on the job a little and the other places where you've kind of 
blown it out of the water, knocked it out of the park, so to speak. And yeah. in in America, at least, we we have this saying, I don't know if you have it in Canada, of a watershed moment, like a moment in your life where you're always going to remember that moment because it changed your life forever. You know, mm. one of those moments where, you know, you define your life by what happened before and what happened after. For some people, it's having a baby. For some people, it's winning the lottery. For some people, it could be a, a tragedy or a trauma. So mm -hmm. there's plenty of ways to mark our lives. And you're really pointing out that we need to look at our successes and what makes us special. And mm -hmm. we're going to take a really quick break. But when we come back, we're going to dig into the kind of coaching you do and advice for nurses and listeners who might want to be coaches, and also more about how we can take advantage of this this sense of of self exploration and creating the best life we can possibly have. So we'll be right back and with Fabienne Raphael here on the Nurse Keith Show, episode two thirteen. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. Please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support the show, you also get some pretty nifty premiums and gifts directly from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash nurse Keith to read all about it. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash nurse Keith. Also, please consider signing up for my newsletter at nursekeith.com so that you can receive my bi-weekly message just for you. Finally, if someone you know could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, even if they do one session, you'll receive credit for one hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit. And you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. Remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits over time. What a deal. Those are my sincere asks of you, dear listener. So now let's dig back into today's topic. And we're back. Thanks for hanging out on episode 213 with me here at the Nurse Keith Show. And we are with Fabienne Raphael, my friend from Quebec. And we are talking all about coaching, self-efficacy, and really looking deeply at our lives and how to create the lives we really want, which really resonates with me because of the career coaching I do. So Fabienne, your coaching is specifically business oriented, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you work with people, is it all small businesses or do you work with companies? No, it's all small businesses. Small Actually, it's businesses. mostly individuals. So solopreneurs, as we yes. call them sometimes. Okay. Yes. And I'm assuming you work with both men and women. Yeah. And do you work with people only in North America or do you work internationally? Internationally. Internationally. Okay. Yeah. And when people come to you, are they looking sometimes to start a business or are they usually already in process? Okay. So yeah, I have those two types of people. Okay. I have the, the people that 
have that project in the back burner for like five, 10 years and feeling very overwhelmed because there's so many conflicting information online about what to do next, how to start the right way. Some people think that they have to invest into this strategy, Mm -hmm. others into this program and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. So they're kind of lost and they want to get like a guidance of, of how to start the right way and progress with their business. Or I have people so that have started their business, but realize that they need support because they've tried stuff and it doesn't work out. So it's as if the business is not taking off. Mm -hmm. They might have a client or two, but they're stuck there and they want to have more and grow their businesses. So I have these two types of people I work with. Cool. So if there's a nurse out there who wants to be a coach and have her own or his own practice as a coach, you could work with them. Yes. Right. And what about someone like, say, a nurse practitioner here in the US? Because in many states in the US, nurse practitioners have complete independent practice. They don't have to answer to a doctor or work with a physician at all. So Mm -hmm. if if an NP wanted to open her own little office, just her, serving patients. Do you feel Mm -hmm. like that's something you could help with in terms of defining the business and what the goals are and creating what needs to be created? Yeah, I have I have a client like that right now. Okay. Yeah. So you have some healthcare people in your in your world. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And I feel also that I totally relate with these people because because yeah, I've been trained as a physical therapist. So Mm -hmm. uh so and it's something that I'm, I also, yeah. So it's something that I also love, you know, like when they talk about the cases, of course, we talk more about business, but sometimes if they have to say something about a client or anything, like they don't have to worry about the vocabulary. Like I understand. That's what great. So if there's a listener out there who maybe is wanting or starting a business, either as a coach or a healthcare provider, they could reach out to you and see how you might be able to help them get started or kick things into high gear. Yeah, exactly. And and the way I work also is uh is not, I'm not going to push someone to work with me if I realize we're not a great fit or yeah. I can't really help them get the results. Um you know, I will I will sincerely say, well, if if their goal is not what I can deliver or is out of my area of expertise, I'll tell them right away. And I, I think same. that, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think when you do that, well, people appreciate it because so many people have been burnt online and uh, so many people are frustrated because they keep paying for a coach that is not a great fit for them or that don't share the same values. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so for me, it's really important. So if the person is not a good fit, well, I'll refer or I'll just say, well, it's not my area of expertise and, and, uh, good luck or have a great success, but I I can't really help you. But if I can help you, of course, I'll tell you how and, uh, and we'll get started with, uh, with helping, you know, these people reach their goals. That's wonderful. I I do the same. I often refer people on when I feel like I can't quite meet their needs. And that's wonderful to have a network of people to refer to, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking of a particular client of mine, who is in the Midwest in the United States, mm-hmm. and he's a nurse leader, very, very talented, very inspired and inspiring. And he really wants to help people become leaders and be really 
have incredible levels of self-agency and efficacy in terms of what they want to accomplish in the world. So he's just on the precipice of launching a coaching practice. So this is for him specifically. What are the top three pieces of advice for him from you directly to really get it started? He's doing some writing. He's publishing articles on LinkedIn. He's gotten a coaching certification. He Mm -hmm. is working pro bono with some people to get his chops as a coach. But Mm -hmm. what are the next three things he really needs to do to get it going? Uh, Well, first thing I would tell him is not to overcomplicate things. Mm -hmm. I think that people falsely believe that they have to be ready and then um, go on into writing or um, writing a lot, let's say. I'm not saying writing is not good, but writing for a long time and then uh, evaluating and looking for for the audience and building their audience and all that stuff. But the quickest that he can get that first client in Mm -hmm. and then start influencing and helping that one person, Mm -hmm. the more, first of all, he will identify if he feels comfortable in that position, if he has the skills to really help that person. And if this is really what he wants to keep doing for more and more clients. Also, when you start helping that one person at first, well, you're getting paid for your market research because you get some more information like you have intimate conversations with your mentee and then they can give you ideas on things that you have not thought about what he experiences as a challenge, for example, and all that stuff. So I would say like the quickest he can get going with one client, that would be the best thing. Mm -hmm. Second thing I would say, depending on what resources that person has, well, to keep getting the help. So they could like avoid making some mistakes. I know that people's situations is not the same. It's not the same for everyone. But I remember that when I started my business, well, my first business, I thought that was ready to rule the world and that would do it all on my own until I realized this is not possible. Like nobody made it without any help. Hmm. Um, so, so just finding the right guidance and the right resources really helps that person to go forward, but quicker than if, if they just wanted to do it on their own. I see. And then, and then the third thing I would say, just allow yourself to make these mistakes. Uh-huh. I, I know that people want to do it perfectly the first time, but in the, I, I don't think it ever happens. Uh, life happens. I mean, you, you might meet people that you thought were a great fit and are not, or you thought that this technique would work and then you try it out and it doesn't. Uh-huh. But the thing is, you always have to stay humble and yourself and authentic into the relationship. And I think that when you are like that, your relationship with the person you're helping will always stay healthy mm-hmm. and they will actually talk about you in good words whenever, even after you're done doing business with them. Wow, so these are my three advice. Those are good pieces of advice just to get it going and not be a perfectionist. And I know that perfectionism, you view it as an illness And it's an illness that a lot of people have, and it's contagious, I believe. It's like a virus. And that keeps people from starting businesses or even going back to school 
perfectionism yeah. makes us think, oh, I can't do that because I won't get straight A's or whatever it happens to be. I can't become a parent. You know, you have a child. You can't, I can't become a parent because I'm going to make mistakes. Right. And of yeah. course, with a, with a child, you have a child's life in your hands. So of course there's, there's high stakes there, but we all make mistakes. You know, my son survived. He's 35 and happy now. So, you know, a couple years therapy here and there and he's okay. So, <laughs> so this perfectionism thing, nurses tend to be very obsessive compulsive and that's why we make good nurses, right? Mm -hmm. Everything has to be lined up. We have to make sure yeah. we document everything. You understand being a PT. So how can a nurse who's so it's ingrained in his or her way of being that everything has to be absolutely perfect all the time? Um, how do they get over that? What's a technique for saying, look, I can be imperfect sometimes? What do you okay. tell someone like that? <laughs> First of all, I would tell them that I don't know why the word perfection exists because basically it doesn't exist anywhere. Like, mm -hmm. For me, perfection is just a concept of like us wanting to be like a hundred percent all the time, but it's not possible. Like mm -hmm. we're human beings, so we make mistakes. So that's the first, the first thing I would say about this. And then the second is maybe give a deadline, because at a certain point you'll have to do something. Deadline like for you, overcoming you, your perfectionism. <laughs> well, what I mean is that let's say you want to, I don't know, you want to help someone, and okay. then you're like, well, I want to take that certification, and then I want to, I want to go through this online course I got, and then I want to build my website, and then, so instead of just like just piling up all those things you have to do. Okay, by when do you want to have that first client? Mm -hmm. And then when the deadline is coming, well, you have no choice. I mean, you might, you, you have to respect your deadline and make it happen. And at a certain point, action beats that kind of fear, that kind of perfectionism type of disease that you have. Because when you take action, you go into like another part of your brain, like you're not it's not as if you don't care about delivering good service, but you have someone in front of you that you need to help. Mm -hmm. So you need to do something about this right now. It puts you in another mode of taking action and going forward mm. with things instead of just thinking and wondering and planning. And then, yeah, is it good enough? Is it perfect? And all that stuff. So you will automatically get it with the people you're helping because they give you feedback, like they, they're excited when mm -hmm. they speak to you, you give them results, you're changing their lives, uh, you make them solve a problem and all that stuff. And that is a fuel that will hopefully subside your your disease of perfectionism. Yeah, or calm it down just a tiny bit, take it down yeah. a couple notches from an 11 to <laughs> yeah, a nine, maybe. right? So, <laughs> you know, you know, amplifiers and radios go up to 10. Nurses' perfectionism is often an 11, you know, they like that, that little bit extra. That's that's a Spinal Tap movie reference for anyone listening, um, pay, anyone paying attention who knows movies. So that's great advice, especially for a nurse who is a total perfectionist and her fear of making even the smallest error keeps her from even taking the first step. And I see that all the time. Even if someone wants to go to school or change jobs, the, the fear often holds us back. And perfectionism, I think, is directly related to fear. Fear mm -hmm. of failure, fear of not mm -hmm. doing it right, fear of being judged, you know, 
all those fears that that can be engines that drive us backwards rather than forwards. Mm-hmm. And you know, as healthcare professionals, yes, we can be perfectionists and have obsessive compulsive disorder, but we're, we also have advantages. So you're a former PT and athlete. I'm a nurse. I know a lot of other people entering the coaching realm who are healthcare professionals. So what are some of the advantages that healthcare professionals have if they want to step into coaching? What do they bring to the table that others might not have? I think that one of the biggest advantages is to be used to work with people and several types Mm. of people Mm -hmm. adapting with several personalities and still delivering the same service to different people. Let's say if you're, if you're a nurse and you have to give medication to a, to a five-year-old, but, or to a 70-year-old or to a 55-year-old, maybe it's not going to be the same approach. Maybe with the kid you'll play and with the older person, well, you'll, you'll make it like a story around a story and explain how important it is. And then for the elders, maybe something else. So it gives us like this advantage of being able to find within ourselves several ways of providing information for Mm. several types of people. I think this is a huge advantage. The other thing is that we have this capacity of putting ourselves in the place of the other person we're helping. So we're Mm -hmm. very highly empathetic. And so Mm. many people aren't. Like so many people don't care. Mm -hmm. And that's why so many people are caught up online because they think everyone is or everyone has their good in mind. But unfortunately, not everyone is like that. Mm -hmm. So if the person you're talking to is not like able to understand where you're coming from or what your situation is, and is forcing you to do stuff that don't fit with your values, then this is not a person to work with because that person will never be able to put themselves in your shoes. Mm. And I think that's the most important uh, advantage that we have as health professionals because we've been doing that. And if you don't have that as a health professional, like you can't, you can't continue with your career anyways. Well said. That That's great. I love that. And we develop empathy. We work with all sorts of populations, from the underserved to the very traditional patients or people who have tons of money and privilege. So we work with all sorts of people. So that helps us to understand the human experience more. So Mm -hmm. yes, a banker or insurance salesperson understands the human experience too. But when you're in situations where people are dealing with their health or life and death, there's just a different energy that you absorb and a different experience you have working in that particular milieu. And yes, a banker can be a highly empathic person and be a wonderful coach. They might have a little bit of a heavier lift if they haven't done that kind of work on themselves and had those types of experiences. Or their coaching might be a little dry, like a little a little like by the book, paint by numbers kind of coaching. And there's plenty of coaching like that out there. There's plenty of coaches doing like cookie cutter kind of work. And I know you and I are not cookie cutter in the ways that we approach people and approach our lives. So that's that's super important. So before we close, is there anything that we haven't mentioned that you want to make sure we we call out here? Oh, 
Well, let me go with my one of my favorite quotes uh, okay. from Jim Rohn. And it goes like, success is something you attract by the person you become. Mm. So if ever you want to reach like that higher level of success or being a better version of yourself, well, the work you have to do it on yourself first. And if you don't take care of that, well, you might reach success, but it will not last because the most important work is on yourself. So the more you become a better person, the more you attract the right people in your life and the more uh, what you will do work uh, compared to if you don't think it's important and you just select people out of the amount of money they make or, you know, what they show up to be and stuff like that. Well, Mm -hmm. you'll just uh, also become a fake person and not necessarily be there for the right reasons. Um, So, good, That's really good. So, so could you say the quote one more time? Success is something you attract by the person you become. Ah, by the person you become. Mm -hmm. And can you spell Jim Rohn's last name? Rohn, it's R-O-H-N. That's what I thought. I've come across him before. So that's a great takeaway, a final takeaway for the person listening right now who needed that message, that success is something you attract by the person you become. So it's not who you are right now, it's the person who you're striving to be. And that person who you're striving to be can be the one who brings that success right to your doorstep. And that's that's really beautiful. So Fabienne, people can find you at FabienneRaphael.com and it's F-A-B-I-E-N-N-E Raphael, R-A-P-H-A-E-L, like like Archangel Raphael, for instance, (laughs) and that's .com. You're on LinkedIn at Fabian Raphael, Twitter at Fabian Raphael, Instagram at Fabian Raphael, and you even give out your personal Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash Fabian Raphael, but it's Fabian without the second E. It's just F-A-B-I-E-N-N. So anyone out there can friend you on Facebook? Yeah. Well, I accept people just if, if they have a picture. Okay, of so you course. need a picture. What if it's a picture <laughs> of their cat? <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> so okay. I want to. Okay, a dog then. <laughs> even, no. Not even a dog. No, they have to put their face. Their real face. Okay. Yeah. Before accepting anyone, I always check their the profile and see if the person is active on Facebook because there are so many fake ones. That's also. true. And LinkedIn but, uh, too. I mean, I only accept LinkedIn invitations that are personalized and that have a photo. If someone yeah. doesn't want to put their photo, then, you know, sorry. It's weird. Yeah, yeah it's weird. I'm, yeah. I'm making friends with this person who's like a little cartoon. So so people can find you there. And I just can't thank you enough for being here. You are super fun. And I'm sure we'll have you back because you're you're just amazing. Thank you. I was, yeah, I was really happy to be here. And oh. I'm glad that we, uh, we actually fell on each other. I don't yeah. really remember how, but uh, the universe was, took care of it. It was just supposed to be. Exactly. Yeah, you're wonderful. So there you have it. 
Thank you for listening to the Nurse Keith Show. Remember, the show notes are at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 213. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this episode, and I want you to take inspired action every day in the interest of your professional satisfaction, your career development, and your personal growth. The Nurse Keith Show is edited and produced by Tim Hollowell and his team at thepodcastinggroup.com, and social media and promotion are handled by Mark Cappy Spiesen. My thanks to everyone who helps out with the show. I want you to be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch, and keep tuning in. And this is Nurse Keith signing off from rainy Santa Fe, New Mexico, and Fabienne Raphael in Montreal, Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Thank you, Fabienne. And we will catch everyone on the other side. 